Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. signed the certificate natural causes, but I should have thought from the look of the poor fellow that he died of fright. This is a frightened village. Here, it is wiser to close your ear to a scream in the night. In this place, even familiar things take on an odd and terrifying significance. A funeral moves under the cloak of night. But no one inquires who has died, nor why the corpses are dispatched with such desperate haste. Starring Peter Cushing as the parson who knew every secret of the night creature. Yvonne Romaine and Oliver Reed as two young people who loved in the shadow of terror. I've always been respectful to you, haven't I? But I've had to keep my real feelings to myself until now. Patrick Allen as the courageous Captain Collier who sailed the seven seas in search of danger and found it in The Night Creatures. Welcome to another exciting episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm your co-host, Ro Lauren. And tonight we are discussing the 1963... 1962 horror movie, horror movie, called Night <laughs> Creatures, or Captain Clegg, which is an odd title, I guess, considering Captain Clegg is dead through the most of the movie. <laughs> Yeah. But we'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, I guess it was called Captain Clegg or it's Night Creatures. Uh, I don't have any score for this movie, so we, co we come in right from the trailer because I could not find a score for this film. This is a very obscure Hammer movie starring, once again, the late, great Peter Cushing um, and directed by Peter Graham Scott. And this is a very unusual movie. I, I was expecting more of a horror story. What we got was kind of like a mystery 
but we'll get into it. Um, we're going to be doing a trilogy of mummy films by uh, Hammer once we both get all three films together. Uh, and uh, But uh, we thought we'd do a couple of standalones, this being one of them, and then a uh, recent 2020 Hammer movie standalone uh, Hammer film. But in the meantime, Roe has the plot synopsis for us for Night I Creatures. Do. All right, Night Creatures. First released on June 13th, 1962, directed by Peter Graham Scott. Night Creatures begins in 1776. A sailor, Milton Reed, is marooned on an island after assaulting the wife of the pirate captain uh, Clegg. Flash forward to 1792, and we are told about the surrounding countryside, home to the Marsh Phantoms, who are skeletal figures on horseback who ride by night and frighten any wanderers. The next morning, the town is attending church, led by Reverend Dr. Blyce, Peter Cushing. Meanwhile, Captain Collier, Patrick Allen, and his sailors arrive in town to find wine uh, after reports that the locals are involved in, a, in smuggling alcohol from France. They are accompanied by the marooned man from the beginning, mute after his tongue was cut out 16 years earlier, from whom Collier saved from death and now keeps as a slave. As his men destroy an alehouse run by Rash, Mar uh, Martin Benson, and his ward, Imogen, uh, Yvonne Romaine, the man uncovers a hidden cellar. Disguised as a varnish store, this, connect, uh, this is connected by a secret passageway to the home of coffin maker Jeremiah Mipps, Michael Ripper, which serves as, a, as the smuggler's headquarters. They lead the captain to the coffin shop and show him the body of Tom Ketch, the man who was killed in the beginning uh, of the marsh, and tells him that the phantoms sat, uh, tells him of the phantoms. Satisfied, the captain leaves. The smugglers are led by the village par uh, the village reverend, Doctor Blyce, who tells them or who tells everyone to continue as planned. At dinner that night, the marooned man from earlier attacks Bliss on sight and is escorted out. At dinner, Bliss, the squire, his son Harry Oliver Reed, and the captain talk about the phantoms and the smuggling ring. That night, the villagers successfully smuggle another shipment of alcohol to a nearby windmill after being nearly caught by the captain's men. Imogé's uh, secret fiancé is wounded when he is shot in the arm by the captain when he grows suspicious of a moving scarecrow. Back at the alehouse, Rash kills one of the sailors to prevent him from, from the smuggling operation being exposed, leaving the slave man alone he frees himself leaves for the churchyard and opens Clegg's grave Collier spends years who had spent years chasing Clegg becomes suspicious of Bliss when the deaf man makes another attempt on Bliss's life while dousing a fire and uh, while dousing a fire started by the slave man in Bliss's home Rash finds Clegg's last will and testament learning that Imogen is Clegg's daughter he reveals his feelings for her and tries to rape her, but she escapes and flees to Bliss's home. There, Bliss and Harry both tell her that they already knew her relationship to Clegg. After consoling Imogen, Harry confronts Rash, but is arrested by Collier when Rash tells him the or tells the captain about his arm. Harry is led away to Collier's ship as a hostage, but escapes when the Marsh Phantoms appear and distract the sailors. 
The phantoms, who are actually the villagers in disguise, take Harry and Imogen to the church, where they are hurriedly married by Bliss before leaving to start their life together somewhere else. The captain arrives at the church and announces that Clegg's grave is empty. He then tears off Bliss's collar to reveal rope burns from an unsuccessful hanging, exposing the reverend as Clegg. Clegg declares that his executioner had spared his life and that he had only wished to help the inhabitants of this village live comfortably. A struggle breaks out between the villagers and the sailors, which injures Clegg, but he escapes with Mips via the secret passageway. However, on emerging at the coffin maker's house, they run into the slave man who has murdered Rash and fatally impales Clegg with a spear before being shot dead by Mips. Collier and the, and the sailors salute as Mips sorrowfully places Clegg's body in the open grave. That's it. This <laughs> movie was incredibly boring. <laughs> um, I feel like it had missed a couple marks. Like it, it had a good idea, I felt like, but it didn't come to fruition with it. According to one reviewer on IMDb back in 2006, around the time my son was born, uh, he said this movie is brilliant and it captures everything that made Hammer great in the 60s. And I'm like, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> do we have any information about how they did the uh, effects with the, the skeleton crew, the phantoms? You know, I had it open. And okay. While, while, while you're looking that up, we'll, uh, I'll go through some of the cast list. Uh, we have Yvonne Romain, who plays Imogen, the serving wench. Ba is, according to IMDb, still alive today, and she was born in 1938, so she is hung in there. But wow. she hasn't worked in since 1973, so I don't know how much that's true. But she's in another Hammer movie called The Curse of the Werewolf, um, and that's pretty much it for her. We also have, of course, Peter Cushing, who we discussed before, Patrick Allen, who plays Captain Collier, who's pretty much like kind of the main character, because Peter Cushing kind of steps back at some point. He was in yeah. Dial M for Murder, a famous Alfred Hitchcock movie. He unfortunately passed away at the age of 79 in 2000. 2006. Then uh, he was also on Masterpiece Theater. Uh, the director I'm not familiar with. I don't think we've discussed Peter Graham Scott, unless I ha we have, but we've covered about you know 18 Hammer movies, so something that definitely probably would have slipped through the, cr the cracks. Yeah. But I uh, don't think so. No, we have not discussed him, Nicor. According to his IMDb, as a producer, we haven't discussed him, but uh, his director credits... He was. I didn't know there was a Dial M for Murder TV series. That's interesting. He was a director of an episode of The Avengers, The Prisoner, which makes sense. It's all British productions. Night Creature. Uh, no, this looks like his one and only Hammer production, actually. Uh, the uh, the writers of the of the movie are Anthony Hines and Barbara Harper. Does Night Creature appear in the book that I got you for Christmas last year? You know, I have that right here. Let me see. Anthony Hines was the the writer of the weird Japanese movie Godzilla vs. the Wolfman. Oh, that's awesome. I don't know how awesome that is. I, I don't know if that would be much of a fight. Godzilla would just step on him. <laughs> <laughs> the Phantom of the Opera and The Curse of Frankenstein he was the producer of as well. So we have discussed him before. And then yeah, oh, and Barbara yeah, one, was two. a uh, female writer at the time in Hollywood, which is kind of a big deal. She's got 10 t TV series to her name as a writer, which is kind of interesting. Oh, wow. And I do. I have three um, three different posters for Night Creatures um, in this book. And they're the all really awesome. They have the, you know, the Phantoms front and center, which uh, they, I wish they were more prominent in the film. 
the skeletons appear like they're in a different movie completely they while they're do. chasing the guy down. Like they're in their own other film altogether. They kind of remind me of um, there's like a oh, what is it? I believe it's like a it's an older film, probably actually around that same era. Um, and I believe it's Portuguese, and it's got very it's it's a very similar effect. Because there's also skeleton men in that film, and I think it's called or I think it's just called Orpheus. But it's uh, I love that movie, and it, the effects remind me exactly of that. The um, this is not the first time we'll see Peter Cushing playing a priest. He also plays a priest in Twins of Evil, but in that movie, he's more of like the everything you do is sinful and all sin is bad. Whereas in this movie, he seems like more of a open-minded priest. Probably because he's the villain of the movie as well in disguise. But that's I mean. That would lead to more some more open-mindedness, I guess, instead of it just being like one of those priests where all sin is evil and, and stuff like that, which we'll get to when we do uh, Twins of Evil, uh, part of the Carmela trilogy. But uh, I, I have been to church before. I hated – I didn't mind the preacher talking about like whatever the sermon was. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. sometimes that was really interesting to me because he would relate it to t today's topics too, which was always fun. But I hated singing in church. <laughs> I was just bored to tears. I, I mean, I get that they, I get that in the film, they were really trying to push that Peter Cushing's character is like a very holy man who takes his job very seriously and trying to make that juxtaposition between him on the surface and then him being the ringleader of the smugglers. But I was like, this is too much. It's too long. I literally feel like I'm sitting in church and I... I hate it. <laughs> it was just going on too long. They they needed to cut that down tremendously. Uh, it just it just it dragged on. And then I, I I wrote down several times the sailors show up, but they're the king's men. They work for the king of England. Yes. Um, they're yeah. basically on a mission to find um, you know, like uh, so in the in the in the the big thing here in America we would call it is uh, prohibition. Right. Well, this is, I think it played a lot on, because it's 1776, you know, big deal for America. And they mentioned the- Bigger deal for England, because we, uh, they lost that one. <laughs> yeah. And then this is, I guess, the majority of the movie is 1792, but they're still absolutely feeling the effects of all of that. So I think it's- Wait, really I thought the movie took place in 1776. No, the, only the first scene in 1776. Then it flashes forward to 1762 uh, or whatever. Well, that wouldn't be flash forward. That'd be a, that would be going back in time. No, oh, 92. Oh, okay, all right. That, that's what confused yeah. me. I'm like, what? Yeah. Wait, uh-huh. Yeah. Wait, we're, go, we're going, we're, we're in the future. Then we're in the past? No, I mean, I guess so. But, okay, so yeah, so they flash <laughs> forward. Okay, and they're still dealing with the ramifications of losing uh, to the United States. Yeah. Which they would really not get over until halfway through the next century <laughs> yeah so i think a lot of that is played up in this film which i think is pretty interesting but i also feel like and i don't know if it was intentional but um a lot of like the mystery i feel is given away immediately whether on accident or on purpose by how the film is just done Wait, you, you know. knew from the very beginning that Peter Cushing was the uh, the oh, leader yeah. of the Phantoms? Yeah, I was like, he's sus. Like, this man is uh, so suspicious. I was like, oh. he's too, he's too priesty. I don't trust him. 
I didn't. Like, uh, I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. I didn't know that. I had never seen this movie before, so I did not know I that. Immediately, caught, I was like, it was like a quarter through the movie, and I was like, this man, he's Clegg. I think I know what your next cosplay should be for your uh, for your cam fans. Uh, you, should, you should dress up as Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> and I also was so it's so interesting too the with the um, the phantoms because when they first appear, I'm like are they supposed to look like men in costume? Because it zooms in on their eyes and you can see that they have, uh, you know, human eyes. And I was like, am I supposed to see that? Is it because I'm watching an HD? Am I supposed to know that they're humans? <laughs> or am I supposed to think that they're supernatural? I, it was actually really questionable because uh, it doesn't really touch on that until literally the last scene basically what did you think of our mute monster uh played by milton reed uh who lived from 1917 to 1987 he was 69 years old and he was uh um always playing a strong man and a lot of things he did um uh such as like uh he was sandor i remember him as sandor in the spy who loved me which was a roger moore james bond movie but he was always always playing like the strong man kind of character oh interesting i uh I don't know. I mean, I under I get the character, but I felt like he was treated so weirdly. And they also kept calling him a mulatto throughout the film, and I didn't understand what they meant by that. If they meant it like an insult, I, I don't get it. What and is a, like, What again, is the definition of a, of a mulatto? Is that like a, a mixed race person? Yeah, that's what I thought, but it's, like, derogatory. Is it? I didn't realize that was because I swear, I mean, I remember them calling the President Obama, uh, you know, that because he's, you know, white and black. Right, but it's biracial. It's not mulatto. I just, which is why I was, like, so uncomfortable by that. Mulatto is a racial classification referred to people of mixed white and black ancestry. Actually, doesn't say anything about it being offensive. It just that's pretty much the definite. That's the technical definition of people who are white and black. There's even a song on YouTube about it. Hmm. There's a rapper. I've always heard. Yeah, <laughs> I always heard that it's not like PC the best term. Gotcha. I mean, I have. I don't really hear it all that often. I only heard it when Obama became president. So because I didn't know that he had like a white mother, you know. When I then I saw that movie Barry, um, Diane Lane plays his mother. Yeah. Um, she plays everyone's mom. She's Superman's mom, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the whole thing with the booze being like manufactured in the coffin maker's basement is kind of interesting that, uh, that the coffin, uh, the coffin maker, Jeremiah Mips played by Michael Ripper. Um, he, uh, is also passed away. Uh, he was Cobb in the taste of the blood of Dracula. So we have seen him before oh. and he's the poacher in the upcoming mummy movie we will cover. Oh, cool. I like it when Peter is trying to help the men find a place to stay. And he's like, oh, you can't stay with that woman. She had thirteen her 13th child. And I'm like, god damn. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I love how it's so. 13 like, kids. Jeez. <laughs> to me, it's all, like. I, t I get immediately that he was trying to just fuck them over. Like, oh, well, you know, there's only one spot left in the inn. Oh, no, that lady has a lot of kids. Oh, that guy, you know, 
he's weird. You can't stay there. I'm like, wow, damn. Smooth. Oh my god, we're like the worst host ever. So the guy who plays the uh, innkeeper, he's in three yeah. different Dracula movies. He's in Dracula Has Risen from the Grave as Max. He's in Dracula Scars of Dracula, and he's in the Mummy Shroud as well. Wow. And he's in the Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, so he's in all three of the mummy films we're about to cover. The uh, Rash or whatever his no, name. No, Michael Ripper. He plays the um, he plays the the uh, he plays the guy in charge of the uh, the the coffin making. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's in tons of Hammer movies, more than I realized. Wow. Yeah, he's in like four Dracula movies and all three of the mummy films playing different characters. No sex, please. We're British. That's a movie he's in too. <laughs> <laughs> Imogen is the name of the uh, the young man who's gonna marry the girl that he's uh, eyeballing at church. Um, he that's is called. Her name. Oh, that's the wench's name. Okay. Yes. Oh right. Okay. So. And she, for some reason, wears only shades of red throughout the entire film, even though everyone else is in like drab blues, grays, and blacks. <laughs> Isn't the red supposed to have been like a sign of um, promiscuity or something like that back in like? Uh, Pilgrim's Day and Age, but we're in 1776. We're well past the Pilgrims at this point. Right. I mean, free love isn't quite the thing yet, but I believe we're not so rigid. Um, but I remember, like, you know, and, like, I think the, the Demi Moore movie, The Scarlet Letter, I mean, she's wearing red, so everyone knows that she <gasps> she fornicated with a man who's not her husband. By the way, her husband's dead, so, you know, do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't ever get that whatsoever. But, you know, that's just the way things were back then. And we're so progressive today, aren't we? On uh, November 8th, 2020, how progressive did we become overnight? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not explaining why. I mean, if you know what happened on November 7th, then you know what happened on November 7th. So, (laughs) (laughs) whoo, dodged a bullet with that one, huh? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I call him the mutant, but he is the mulatto, attacks uh, Peter Cushing, and then uh, he fends him off. Um, He acts like he's deaf and dumb because he doesn't talk. He doesn't seem to interact with people when they say something to him. He's covered in scars. He also kind of reminds me of Tor Johnson. Do you know who that actor is? No, I don't think so. Look up Tor Johnson. He's best known for being in uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, um, and then there's a guy walking along with a Kingsman who reminds me exactly, he looks exactly like Dustin Hoffman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I also felt, well, I mean, the guy, he doesn't talk or anything because they cut his, they cut his ears off or they like mutilated his ears and they cut his tongue out so he can't actually speak. But right. I guess it made him also dumb. I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess so. Uh, one of the girls at the inn is um, Kate O'Mara, uh, who we'll, uh, we will see coming up and as the governess in uh, The Vampire Lovers. Um, I don't know if she's any related to the O'Mara actresses that are currently running around right now, but she was in six episodes of Doctor Who that I remember called uh, the Ro- she was the Ronnie in Doctor Who. But she was a long-time oh. character actor in bit parts. But uh, Night Creatures was her first Hammer movie, actually. Oh, okay. Daphne Anderson plays one of the other women in the movie. Bit character, part actress, not a lot to her name other than like night creatures that I think either one of us would have seen. Uh, she was in a TV series back in 1959 called The Naked Lady. That's kind of interesting hmm. for a yeah. series from 1959. Whereas, or The Gay Lady, 
or she was in the uh, the Call Girl back in the fifties. Um, wow. The or the the Burlesque Club. I mean, these are all very very promiscuous titles for nineteen fifties. Whereas today yeah. we would just look at it as being like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, we have TV series about call girls and whores and hookers and 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 entire documentaries about being a, a porn star. You know that we just blink an eye at, being like, all right, well, that's the that's you know she'll win her Oscar maybe. But back then, I I would have been like, <gasps> right. Um, and then um, th- th- there's only like really one main female character in this whole thing. The rest are just kind of like bit part characters that are yeah. are thrown throughout. Yeah. Not anything that would really gravitate uh i would gravitate to but i no. i really want to still find out about the um the way the phantoms are done did you find that website that you that you said you had yeah and it actually didn't talk about how it was done which is unfortunate it just talked about uh that it is it, it was just um describing what they looked like well, I want to know what they look. I want to know how. Oh, he goes to open Clegg's grave, which is empty. And where do we find out Captain Clegg really is? Oh, because then he the uh, the mute mulatto man. He goes on a killing rampage. He is after our Reverend Peter Cushing's life, and he breaks into his house and like. Cushing is just sitting there like reading I think and attempts to impale him and sets the house on fire it was awesome right um, there is a scene where they're holding down uh, the um, uh, the the, the who, okay what was the name of the character who was making out with Imogen uh, Harry Harry there's a scene where the uh, the king's men are hanging are, are holding down Harry and they've knocked over a candle, and I'm expecting the entire table to g- gulf in flames because you knock over candles in these movies, everything catches on fire, but it doesn't. It right. just kind of burns. It's revealed that Imogen is, in fact, Clegg's daughter, and Clegg is, in fact, Peter Cushing, which is, is like that I didn't see coming either. I was like, so I was surprised that he was the Phantom, and I was surprised that he was actually Captain Clegg because I thought Captain Clegg was dead. You know what I mean? It was just a Captain Clegg I thought maybe was going to be the, revealed to be the Phantom. So there are some good mystery elements to this movie, but it just honestly, there is a TV series that Hammer would make back in um, at the very end of their lifespan, uh, the Hammer Horror Hour, and I think this could have definitely been cut down to an hour. It's a short movie too, yeah. because it's an hour, it's only it eighty two minutes long. So thankfully, it's short, but it's still too long. Yes, I would agree. Yeah, um, and then the whole reason it's even exposed that he's. Clegg's slashing Mujen is his daughter is that uh, the landlord for some reason is in his house I don't remember why um, and douses the fire with a set of papers like I literally did not understand that <laughs> but the papers happen to have the quote will of Clegg in them which describes you know all that stuff we just talked about um which was so strange to me. I don't understand. I don't understand the thought process of the the landlord, who is the legal guardian of Imogen. And once he finds out that she is the daughter of a pirate, he's like, "Well, shit, I'm just gonna rape her because no one's gonna care now. She's daughter of a pirate." Well, what? <laughs> what? Why? That doesn't. I don't get uh... it. 
yeah, no, there's uh, there's no reason to do that whatsoever. There's no reason to rape anybody ever, but that's besides no. the point. Uh, right. Unless you're an anime character, and that's just the way you're drawn. Uh, <laughs> When we, when my co-host Mel Heffin and I uh, did a commentary for the movie um, uh, Demon City, we totally we when when the main female character, who is a demon herself, is being uh, groped and raped by other demon tentacle creatures or whatever, it, she points out she's like, "But that's from her dimension. It's it's okay. It's like the way dogs do it. It's totally fine. We can't judge it." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> typical day at the office for her." <laughs> I just think about, um, it just makes me think of Ninja Scroll, when the main girl, her curse is that she is, like, acidic um, on the inside, so she uses that to her advantage. Oh, that's the same animation studio, too. It is. Yeah, Madhouse. Yeah. Who's currently doing Castlevania, and uh, I think they're doing, um, I think they're doing He-Man now. Oh, cool. Scroll's, like, one of my favorite anime movies of all time that was the first time i ever saw boobs in a cartoon oh wow <laughs> i had never seen boobs in a cartoon before i had seen boobs i had seen a playboy but when i was a teenage boy i had never seen animated boobs before like that you know what yeah, i mean and yeah. there's a scene where the girl gets a robe ripped open and the gi- yes. giant's just like oh, sucking yeah. her entire breast in his mouth and i'm like what the hell am i watching right <laughs> Not okay, people. Always ask for consent before you suck your partner's giant breast into your mouth. (laughs) Uh, But go watch Ninja Scroll. Great movie. (laughs) So we discover that Clegg is, in fact, Peter Cushing's character. And he is also the person uh, responsible for the phantom attacks. Um, I don't. I cannot find a shred of information about why they waited until the end of the movie to put the phantoms back into the film. Uh, Variety calls this one of the best savvy directed scripts um, ever by Hammer Studios. And Leonard Maltin uh, gave it almost four stars when he reviewed it back in the 60s. Wow. Yes. I think I saw on IMDb that it's got like almost a seven out of ten. So, I mean, it's still fairly okay, like well-reviewed. I don't know. It just does not (laughs) kind of dull film or whatever. I mean, I get enjoyment out of Peter Cushing being evil. That to me is fun. But I just think it it could have been better. I can see what it would have been. And he's not evil like he is in the Frankenstein movies. No. No. And in fact, he would have done this after the the first Frankenstein movie and the first Dracula movie. So, But he would have been doing all of his Frankenstein movies at this point as well. So, I mean, he was just putting out like film after film after film in the same year. Right. One of the soldiers was in a production of Dunkirk back in 1958. I didn't know there was an old movie version of Dunkirk. I just thought that was the Christopher Nolan version. I'm assuming it's probably based on this. Yeah, it's, it's the same exact story. It's about all the soldiers stuck at Dunkirk. Did you ever see the Christopher Nolan movie? No, I didn't get around to it. It was on my so list. Oh, good. It's amazing. You got to watch it on a big TV, though. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and again, on uh, certain websites like Wikipedia, they call it Captain Clegg, which doesn't yeah. make any sense whatsoever because Clegg is dead. Well, Clegg is Cushing, but it just it, w- it it makes more sense to call it Night Phantoms, maybe, because Night Creatures doesn't make any sense either. When I right. when when you when we when we were picking out which title to do. I was expecting, like, a night creature, like the Stephen King story, but no. (laughs) Yeah, I was expecting, because they're so cool-looking, I was expecting them to be in a little bit more, but maybe it was just, 
really expensive. Yeah. Like maybe a lot of the budget went there and they could only do two scenes. Like <laughs> it was, it's cool. I mean, it looked cool. It turned out like really neat. I love the way they look. All in all, that's all the notes I have. Um, the badass in the movie would go to possibly the night fan, the phantoms themselves, I guess, are kind of badass. The fact yeah. that Peter Cushing is pulling off like three different roles. He's the leader of the yeah. phantoms. He's Captain Clegg, and he's the priest at the same time. I guess it has to yeah. go to him. Um, the blood, not really a lot. I mean. No, uh, actually there's not. No, when he gets stabbed, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, and then when uh, Harry gets shot in the arm, there's like a little splat. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, you got to give it up to the um, the, the mulatto, he, the maludo, uh, whatever, however you pronounce it. He throws the spear right into Peter's back. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and at least he didn't like turn the guy he was with or whatever around and get stabbed himself. Kind of like, you know, you'd see like in a Friday the 13th movie, somebody would turn around somebody to have Jason stab them and then run away. <laughs> Yeah, I guess he really is a changed man. <laughs> the boobs, I guess, go to Imogen. This movie was not breast heavy, so but and she has like one really absurd scene, the same scene that she almost gets raped in, uh, where I think she has like some weird ass padded bra on that gives her giant, uh, like weird tits with hard nipples on it, but they don't look real at all. They look ridiculous. Yeah, no. I um I mean when she's in her serving wench costume, maybe a little yeah. bit more. And then yeah. like uh uh yeah, that that's pretty much or the red dress at church. Yeah. Yeah. So, um uh yeah, uh so that that's again all the notes I have. Uh not my favorite of the Hammer movies, but uh in a couple weeks or two to three weeks, we will be covering a brand new Hammer movie as we get ready to start the uh, the Mummy trilogy. Uh, yeah. And we're going to do The Lodge, which came out this past uh, February before uh, the COVID virus hit everything. <laughs> Have you seen The Lodge? No. Oh, I enjoyed it, but it's definitely like more American than British. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, it's a Hammer movie, and I wanted to cover it this year, So, and I saw it in cool. theaters, so... Uh, oh. probably one of the uh, only oh, I've only ever seen the American Hammer movies in theaters so oh interesting you can find us in the rest of the Dorkening Network a podcast on the dorkeningnetwork.com you can also find us on Pinecast uh, we'd like to thank the sponsor for the podcast network Deadly Grounds Coffee go to deadlygroundscoffee.com to uh, find out all of their amazing products and thank them for being a uh, supporter of the Dorkening Network for so many years and we'll be back in a couple weeks with The Lodge, the new Hammer movie here on Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Power podcast. Oh, I almost forgot. You can also find us on Twitter at ChristySAB. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rolorn, R-O-L-0-R-E-N. And you can send us an email at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Greetings! We are the Retro Reductopus Cephala Podcast, the bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right. We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons, I don't know, help me out here. Music. Pants. Quoting video games that don't have dialogues. Shabibans. Tasty news. Unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia. Butt breathers. Uncomfortable nature facts. Or how to install a Samoplange. 
And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retroidocubus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host. A problem. Hey, they might still suck, but they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retroidocubus is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar podcast networks with new episodes every Tentacle Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. 